Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to this edition of LinkedIn What's Next Live, where I have the absolute honor and pleasure of welcoming back a friend, Whitney Johnson, to the show. I think this might be your third. Is it your third or your second? Second. Second. All right. Well, the good news is I think this is launch day for her new book, Smart Growth. We're going to talk about this and everything else that she's been up to. But I want to just welcome you to the show today, Whitney. Oh, Tiffany, thank you for having me. I'm I'm just delighted to be here. Well, you know, there's so much I could say about you, right? You're the CEO of your own company, Disruption Advisors. You're one of Inc. Magazine's 5,000 fastest growing private companies. You're a thinker 50, I think number eight this year. So congratulations. I was number 50, you know, so thank goodness I wasn't 51. That, that's what exactly, I said. Exactly. That's, that's the time you don't mind being last. Mm-hmm. And then this year they got rid of, you know, only they only measured the top 10, which you made it part of. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like because they went alphabetical, I went up 35 spots. Well, there you go. There you go. There you go. Yeah. On the upside. <laughs> Just so you know, Tiffany, I was number 49 my first year as well. So 49 and 50 unite. That's right. That's right. Well, the good news is I knew there was nowhere to go but up. <laughs> so That's right. That's what it's all about. Well, Listen, I don't want to take up any time not talking about your new book, Smart Growth. So I was thrilled to hear you were going to do another book around disruption because I often use one of your famous sayings of, you know, if you want to disrupt your business, you have to disrupt yourself first. And I think that the book, Smart Growth, when I got into it, I was like, this is exactly what it's all about. And I'd love for you to just kind of, share with our listeners, what got you to saying, I think it's time to do an S curve of learning Mm -hmm. from a personal development standpoint. Um, And some people may not even be familiar with the S curve at all. So maybe we start there. Yeah. All right. Let's start with the S curve. And then we'll talk about why this book, the S curve, some of you are familiar with it. It was uh, popularized by Rogers 60 years ago, and he used it to, it's sometimes called the diffusion curve. And he used it to uh, articulate how quickly an innovation would be adopted. And I first came into contact with it when I was investing with Clayton Christensen at the Disruptive Innovation Fund. Then I had this aha, this insight that this S-curve could also help us understand how people change and and how they grow. And so what I'd like for you to do, for those of you who are are listening to, to this, is I want you to take your finger and I want you to trace and trace a horizontal line from the left to the right. And that's the first part of the curve. That's the launch point. And then I want you to take your finger and I draw a diagonal line from the left to the right up. And that's the sweet spot. That's the sleek, steep back of that S curve. I want you to go from left to right again at the top. And that's mastery. So you've got the launch point, then sweet spot, then mastery. And thank you very much for showing that. And what that is. Yes, visual aid. Thank you, Tiffany. And what that does it is it allows you to think about what does your growth look like? Whenever you start something new, you're at the launch point. And it's not that growth isn't happening. It's just that it's below detection. And so you have this experience of it feeling slow. And then when you put in the effort, you're going to accelerate into competence and confidence. And this is the sweet spot, that steep part of the curve where growth not only feels fast, it is fast. 
And then you reach mastery. And that's this place where uh, your growth, you're no longer learning. You, you're no longer enjoying the feel-good effects that come with learning. And so your growth now is in fact slow. So you have slow, fast, slow is how you grow. And this very simple model helps you think about personal growth, but it also, if you're a manager or a leader, helps you start a conversation around talent development within your organization and the people who work for you. Well, I think there's a big thing that you just said, fast, slow, fast. <laughs> Sometimes it's just, let me put my foot on the gas. I want to change something. Mm -hmm. And so it's one way forward. It's always very quick. And that's not the most effective is what I've heard from you in these sort of phases of getting yourself from the launch point, right? Yeah. So you make a decision, I want to change something. You get to the sweet spot when you actually start to see growth yes, and see the change. And then you get to mastery. But sometimes when you get to mastery, you're like, okay, now I got to start again. So it's like these Yes, interwoven S curves. That's absolutely correct. And and if you, it's really a growth cycle. And and in order for you to be a peak performer, you become skilled at navigating all parts of the curve, the launch point, uh, moving through that, the sweet spot, and then mastery. So let me comment on what you just said because I think it's a very interesting um, perspective. One of the things I think is actually very important for you when a person is at the launch point is to take the time. I divide it into two parts. There's the explorer phase and the collector phase at the launch point. And there is a tendency to want to rush through it because um, it can be uncomfortable. It can feel very awkward because your brain is running this predictive model, this hypothesis about what it's going to take to get to the top of that curve. And at the launch point, many of your predictions are inaccurate. And so the dopamine drops. So you're like, this isn't very fun. I'm not enjoying this very much. I want to get out of this uncomfortable place. And so sometimes we get impatient. It's an open loop. I want to close it. I want to just move through it. And what you just said, and I think we're both dancing around, is this idea is we need to be patient at the launch point. Now, sometimes people struggle to start. You're not a person who struggles to start. What you're saying is maybe I need to take a little bit of time to figure out, do I actually want to be on this particular S-curve? Is this worthy of my effort? And, and my um, my my time, et cetera. And do I have the resources that I need? Can I collect the resources that I need in order to be successful on this particular S-curve? And I actually believe that sometimes we have quarter life and midlife crises because we don't take the time to explore at the launch point of the curve. So, so it's this place that requires patience, but also understanding that if it feels all those kind of feelings that we don't like to feel, but that's very normal. Well, I think part of uh, the beginning point of the launch point is this, as you say, is the sort of grasping for knowledge. Like I'm looking to learn something and do something new. Um, and we've had a tough couple of years. Yeah. And, you know, the, the great resignation term, I'm sort of, I'm not that much of a fan of. I know you have a version of it as well, which I'd love you to talk about. I kind of call it the great job swap because lots of people are saying, I'm leaving one and going to another. It might be I'm leaving to go work for myself. I'm going to uh, work for another company. I'm going to get out of the industry I'm in and go work for a nonprofit. You know, it, 
it, it might not be you're just out and you're out and I'm resigning and I'm going to eat bonbons and watch, you know, stream Netflix all day. That's might not be what's happening. I'm going to guess for, and some people have to leave because of elder care or children, or there's responsibilities that they have to make a swap on. Mm -hmm. But I think that when people are considering, look, what's I'm doing now from a work perspective, is not bringing me joy. I'm not feeling purpose. This is a moment where that S curve begins, right? That's that launch point of, I want to do something different. What are your yeah. views now around this, you know, people leaving jobs and what that, how that plays into this, this entire framework? Yeah. So I think Tiffany, there is some element of people are burned out. And so there are, there is some element of people are leaving the S curve that they're on just because they're tired. Um, but I do think that there is a very large cohort of people who, we prior to the pandemic, we were on one S curve and we may have liked that S curve or not our life in general, but then the pandemic pushed all of us off that S curve. And as a consequence, we were, we're now moving. We've got this momentum. We've overcome our inertia. And as we started to move and saw the world from a different perspective, and we were in this place of upheaval and realized that we were far more resilient than we thought that we were, we're saying, Oh, I want more. I want my life to be different than it is. And so, yes, people are resigning, but I actually see this more, and you alluded to this, is the great aspiration. People are aspiring to more. They want more. And, and one of the reasons I am so excited about this book right now, and I, it's so fun because you've got Growth IQ and I've got Smart Growth. So we're really smart if you put the two of us together. Well, I said that if you if it's Disrupt Yourself and Growth IQ had a baby, it would be Smart Growth. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. That's so fun. Uh, and so so what I what I love about this is this S curve. It's so simple and it's so visual. And, 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 and that's precisely why it's useful. Because as people are thinking about growth and, and wanting to change, sometimes they're wondering, well, how do I do it? And this S curve gives you this map to figure out where I am on the mountain and how do I orient myself? And when I can orient myself, then I know what's next with <laughs> Tiffany Bova. Okay, we're, we're, this is really bad. Okay. So, so and, and let me just, you asked me a question earlier and speaking of open loops, let me just answer it really quickly. He said, Whitney, you wrote a book called Disrupt Yourself, and then you wrote Build an A-Team. And in those two books, the S-curve was there, but it was always kind of a supporting actor. And one of the things that happened is I discovered that people kept saying to me, okay, I get it, disruption, but I started to realize that's the mechanism. They would come to me and say, the S-curve, I want to talk about that. Show me that. Let's, let's drill down on that. And so that's when I realized, oh, it's time for the star turn for the S curve, let's put this front and center so that people have this way, this, this simple mental model to think about their growth. Well, I, as you know, we had this conversation when we were getting ready for this uh, session today. I'm a visual learner. And mm -hmm. so when you can put a concept into a visual metaphor, I learn faster, better, mm -hmm. I grasp it more quickly. And so if you are looking for your next book to read, Smart Growth is the one, of course, but it's also super digestible in the, what do I want to learn today? Do I want to go on a learning journey? And it's not something to me that felt like a heavy lift. You know, it was like, oh, I can see myself in multiple S curves, right? <laughs> because you have personal S curves 
uh, and you have professional and business S curves. But there's also kind of roles of who the people are along this journey, right? If we had the launch point, the sweet spot and mastery, you have six kind of, I don't want to call them personas because I don't want to put words in your mouth, but sort of naming of where you are on that journey. Would you mind sort of sharing yeah. what those are? Yeah, absolutely. So the way I think about it is that um, when you jump to a new S curve, you're, again, you're deciding, do I want to be here on this S curve? Think about this metaphor of the mountain, because I think that's very useful in this instance is you say to yourself, okay, here I am. Maybe you decided to be here. Maybe you were pushed here because there's been a lot of pushing onto new S curves recently, and now you're exploring it. And so as you're exploring, you're, you're asking yourself questions of, well, is this consistent with my identity? Is this consistent with my why? Is this hard, but not too hard? Is this something that I believe that I can achieve? And I don't need to believe, believe now. I need to believe that I could believe that I can achieve it. You're asking all of those questions. And if those questions get answered, you say, yes, I, I do want to stay here. I'm going to climb this particular mountain. Then you move to the collector phase. And this is the phase where you're collecting lots of data, the, the, the quantitative data, the qualitative data, which says, can I get the resources that I need in order for me to move into the sweet spot? Can I get the expertise that I need? Can I get the, the people resources that I need in order for me to be successful? And if you can answer those two questions, then you start to move into the accelerator phase. So that's that sweet spot. And that's the place where we call it accelerator because in fact you are accelerating. We use a model, a mnemonic called CAR. It's really self-determination theory. It's this place of competence, C, A, autonomy, R, relatedness. And when you're in the sweet spot, you're having that experience of feeling competent, feeling the sense of you have control over your destiny. And you're also feeling a sense of relatedness to the people around you and um, to the people and, and to what it is you're doing. So that's the experience that you're having in this, in this sweet spot as an accelerator. And then you move to metamorph. And in the metamorph stage, it's the idea of a butterfly, right? You move from this thing that you're doing, whether it's becoming a runner or becoming a writer or becoming a podcaster or playing cricket, whatever it is, it moves from this thing that you do to who you are. I want to write... I am a writer and that's the metamorph stage. And that's that place where the caterpillar becomes a butterfly. Then you move into mastery and there's two phases there. The first is the anchor phase. And the anchor phase is I think very important and oftentimes overlooked because this is that place where you say, I got to the top of the mountain and our tendency is again to say what's next. And we do need to say what's next, but we want to pause there just briefly catch our breath, survey all that we've accomplished, look at what worked, what didn't work, work, and you'll see behind me for those who are visual, because I launched my book this week, you celebrate. Because celebration is what wires our brain and, and, and helps us remember something. And so that's a very important part. But then you've got to go to Mountaineer. Because what we know from mountain climbers is that any altitude above 26,000 feet is known as the death zone. You're so high up, your brain and body start to die. And if you stay at the top of an S-curve for too long without moving, your brain, because you're no longer learning, because learning is the oxygen of growth, will start to die. And so once you get there, you make a couple of decisions. You either keep climbing because it's a summit, not the summit, or you find another peak 
to summit. And that's the growth cycle of the curve. So it's explorer, collector, accelerator, metamorph, anchor, and mountaineer. That is brilliant, right? Because I think that that fast, slow, fast, and you can associate it, going back to what I was saying about just the way in which the book is written for you to be able to digest it, is where are you on the S-curve? And then where am I? And that you feel like you're not alone. Okay, I'm feeling this. Oh, that is exactly what I should be feeling because I'm in this stage of it, right? And giving some confidence to those. Well, we have a question from Devin. I'm going to show it. It says, uh, what is a great way to self-evaluate if you are ready to even jump to a new S-curve? Mm, Devin, that's a great question. So there are a couple of thoughts for you there. Number one is that we, we have a tool that you can take. It's a 10-minute tool that will help you self-assess where you are. Um, and so you can, you can look at that and you're going to have some intuitions about where you are. Also do that and then and talk to a manager, for example. But let me give you some indicators that you might be at the top of a curve and it's time for you to do something new. Number one is you might have been in this role for several years now and nothing has changed significantly. And if you map against Erickson's 10,000 hour role, that's going to be three years or so. Number two is that you want to take a look at everything that you needed to accomplish in that role. So not only as a domain expert, but the leadership, the working, the collaborating, if you're achieving all those things and you feel like, I, I, I think I've kind of figured this out. And I have a lot of people coming to me and now asking me questions and I'm not necessarily getting to ask questions. That's another indicator. Perhaps the most important indicators are the sense of boredom, the sense of, I just don't feel like I can keep doing this. I, I know I'm really good at it, but I feel like I can't keep doing it and I'm not feeling motivated. And also if you're in a work environment, if people come to you and say, let's try this or let's try that. And you find yourself saying, well, we've already tried that. Those are some indicators that in fact, you're at the top of the curve. And, and what's so useful about this as an artifact is that um, I, I was talking to a woman who's a, a CMO of a startup and she said, now that I have this S-curve, I have this language to describe the experience that I'm having. It's not that I don't love working at this company. It's not that I don't love working for my manager. It's that I'm at the top of the curve. I'm not getting that dopamine. It means that I'm bored. It means that I have latent capacity that I need to use. And so I need to jump to a new curve. So those are some indicators that you can use that, it that would indicate you are, in fact, in mastery. Well, you have a sort of subhead to a section that says grow or don't grow, you choose. Yeah. It's sort of, it's really simple. Grow or don't grow, you choose. And I feel like somebody can try and take the wind out of your sail. Mm -hmm. If it's a manager, that's not great. Right. And yeah. supportive of, right. You can, you can have someone who could suck the wind out of your sail, but you're the only one that can then change directions and say, I'm going to go find some wind somewhere else. But sometimes people lack the confidence, right? Then they then they bump into imposter syndrome, right? Then they're, can I do it? Can I, can I try to create an S curve that's really going to challenge me because the dopamine would be really great, you know? And it might be a two or three year journey to get to mastery. I'm I'm a product marketing manager and I want to be a CMO. That's a long S curve, right? You kind of have to have that perseverance. So do you go to your manager? and say, hey, I love working here, I love my role, but I'm just not getting that, whatever the language is. Yeah. What, what yeah. would you say? 
Yeah. So one of the things that we have found that has been very effective is if you can, if you can have that conversation and just draw out that visual, it becomes this artifact to start the conversation. Because as a manager, you're worried that they're going to feel bad. Oh, you don't want to work for me anymore. And you'd say, well, no, it's not that I don't want to work for you. In fact, I would love to work for you, but I have to find a way to keep learning. And so so by being able to draw that out and have that conversation and depersonalize it a little bit of just saying, hey, I'm not getting dopamine. <laughs> so how are we going to do that? And, and I've got some solutions. We could do this or we could do that or we could do this other thing. Um, now, sometimes you're going to have a manager like I did when I was still working on Wall Street who basically said to me, we like you just where you are. To be fair, I did not manage that conversation well because I said, well, hey, I want to do something different. And I didn't think strategically about, well, what do I want to do and what does it look like and how am I going to find a replacement, et cetera, et cetera. But I think if we're willing to use that as a starting point and say, hey, I'd like to jump to a new S-curve and recognize that you're jumping to a new S-curve is precipitating your manager to have to jump to a new S curve as well. I mean, your move is disrupting them. So if you can solve for a way to pack their parachute so that they can jump to a new curve in the app in your absence, then that's going to move the conversation forward. And if in fact they are not willing to allow you to jump to a new curve or do something different or reconfigure things, then that's really important information. Yeah, absolutely. You know, early in my career, um, I felt that way and, and I didn't have the language either, but I showed up to my manager and it was sort of in my 30s. I literally changed jobs every 18 months. So back then I was a higher risk. People are like, look, you constantly are jumping jobs. Like, are you a bad employee? Like, what's going on? I'm like, well, I would go to my managers and be like, I'm kind of not stimulated and bored. I kind of, I've got this like, can I have more responsibility? Can I maybe take on new accounts? Like, what can I do? You know, this was very early. I was an individual quota bearing sales rep, right? Like I wasn't an executive and they'd say, we really appreciate you and, and love you working here and want you to stay working here. Give us 90 days. Okay. So 60 days, I hear nothing 30, you know, no sort of follow-up of, Hey, we're thinking, what do you think? Kind of a thing. So like 90 days almost comes and goes. So then I have to instigate the conversation and I'm like, okay, so what did you, we just don't have anything for you right now, which is normally the answer, right? Because to your point, Whitney, and I've never sort of thought of it this way, I'm pushing them to jump on their own S-curve of disrupting them. If I go, who are they going to backfill, blah, 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 everything you just said. Yeah. And so I'd end up leaving. Right. To go find a new S-curve, you know, over that 10 years. I didn't know my plan, but at the end of that, I realized how much I'd learned in changing jobs across all right. of that time that was invaluable to me when I then landed as an analyst who could then say, I understand more of the business because I've done all these various things where if I just kind of heads down it, it, it would have actually stunted my ability to continue to grow and learn. Oh, yeah. That's because you have a high growth IQ. You were just like, I can't resist. Okay. <laughs> because this is just so fun. So here's what's interesting. One of the things that you said at the very beginning of the conversation was your, your boss said, well, we really like where you are. We want you to keep doing this. Can you give us 90 days? It's that we like you right where you are. And one of the things that I, 
is so important about this S-curve in our assessment in particular is it doesn't look at where I as a manager think someone's in, in their growth. It tells me where they think they are. And I can think you, Tiffany, are in the sweet spot all day long, but that is not going to predict your behavior. What predicts your behavior is you're telling me I'm in mastery. You're telling me I'm bored. So you're either going to get complacent or you're going to become a flight risk. And so I need to know that because if you're not a high performer, great, goodbye. But if you are, I need to know that you are at the top because you're going to you're going to do something. You're going to act because that place is fundamentally unstable. But that requires a manager to be highly self-aware, yep. really in tune with their people, which minus the last 22 months or however long it's been, it's this hyper sense of all kinds of other things are happening. And so it's a lot coming at them. So I'd love to hear, you know, if it's an individual contributor listening to us today, I'm speaking with Whitney Johnson. She is launching her book, Smart Growth this week. So please go out and get a copy. But I'd say if you're an individual contributor and you kind of want to have this S-curve conversation yeah, and then flip on that, if you're a manager and even if you're a team manager of three people, like you don't need to be a division, you know, GM of thousands of people, like, right, you've got a couple of people. What would you recommend to both? I almost feel like if you were a manager to really let people map out, I'm going to just say their learning journey. Yeah, absolutely. And what does that look like? You know, they might not use the terms, right? Because mm -hmm. they might not, right? But what is your learning journey? How can I, we support your continuous learning journey? Right. Absolutely. So a, a couple of thoughts. So we, we've, we've talked about what for an individual contributor, I had a conversation, a coaching, one of the people I coached yesterday, who's running a company that has a lot of early career people who they will jump to a new S curve somewhere else. It's, it's inevitable given the nature of the business that they're in. And so one of the things we talked about is upfront, just say to them, Hey, stats tell me you're going to be gone in three years. So you may not be, but statistically, most of you will be. So let's talk about your S-curve. Where are you? What, it, what good work do you want to get done while you're here? What does the top of the S-curve look like for you? And then how can I help you get there? And, and what are you going to do to get there? Because it's a both and. And so I think as a manager, you can have that conversation. Let me just give you one other quick example of, of how you can operationalize this. So working with a company called Chatbooks, they turn Instagram photos into books and they, we administered our tool. And one of the people was showing up in mastery. He was presenting in mastery, but he'd only been in the role for about a year. But when he started to look at this, what he discovered or what we collectively discovered with him and the CEO was that the CEO who was supposed to give up some of those responsibilities to the president and jump to his own new S-curve was still doing some of the president work. He was like, oh yeah, this is what I'm doing. And so that allowed them to have this conversation to rescope so that the, the, the president who was showing up in mastery because it was doing the same thing, because there's a traffic jam, CEO jumps to a new curve. Now it gives the, the president all this headroom along this curve as president so that he was in fact in the sweet spot and could over time move into mastery. So that's how a manager can think about it is they can say, where is everybody on my team on the curve? Who's in the launch point? And if they're at the launch point, then how am I going to support them? Cause that's what they need. Who's in the sweet spot and what am I going to do to help them focus on them so that they feel 
that I see them because everything's working. So I'm likely to ignore them. And who's in mastery? And what kind of challenge do they need? And so that's how you can use it as a manager is just plot where people are and then think about on the basis of where they are, what do they need in order to grow? Because again, the, the possibility of growth upside is a very strong predictor of how long a person is going to stay working for you. That was fantastic. And, and if you're a manager listening and you hear someone say, well, wait a second, I'm preparing people to leave. <laughs> and there's the old adage that I'd, I'd rather invest in them so that they do their best work while they're here. Yeah. And, and if they go, they've gone with a great experience of us as a brand, me as a manager, like, you know, I played a role in their whatever versus going, well, if I can kind of keep them all held down doing what they're doing, because it then it's not uncomfortable and disruptive to me, because then I have to go find new people that some CFOs, some executives will say, I'm not going to invest in people's learning for them to just go. Yeah. So if someone's listening to this and goes, well, why would I ever do that? What would be your answer? If I was an executive and we were in a conversation, right, a consulting or coaching, and you said that to me and I said, well, why would I want to invest in people if they're going to leave? Because they're going to leave whether you invest in them or not. So why not get the best out of them while they're there? And I would go also for the emotion as I would ask them, tell me about the best boss that you've ever had. And then they'll tell me about the best boss they've ever had. And guess who that best boss was? the person who helped them grow. And then yep. I would say to them, you have an opportunity. Do you want to be the person in 20 years that they say best boss I ever had? Or do you want to be the person about whom they say worst boss I ever had? I just brought up the boss I ever had over the weekend. <laughs> like I literally was like, I was watching a sports game and I knew that that was his favorite team. And my favorite team was playing his favorite team. And I mean, this was decades ago. Right. And I was just like, I hope we win. Cause God, I could not stand that boss. You know what I mean? Like you just, you always remember. And a lot of it was that just wanted to kind of put me in my place kind of a thing in tech 20 years ago, I was one of the only women sitting at the table. So it was a little bit different, but I think that this has been so inspiring, right? Everybody's looking to find something that they're passionate about and that they can master, but they're insecure and uncomfortable about the journey. And so I think that um, smart growth gives you an amazing framework by which you can find your path forward in whatever you aspire to do. And as a manager, you know, being able to have these open, empathetic, supportive conversations, because you want people to say you're the best boss they ever had. You know, when they look back and they're getting that Oscar, you want them to be the one that says, and I remember this boss is the one that made it happen for me. Right. So Whitney, any last, any last words you'd like to leave with our audience? It's been so amazing spending this time with you. Yeah, I would just recap by saying, think about this S curve of learning as a mental model for what growth looks like, because when you understand what your growth looks like, you increase your capacity to grow. And that's for you and for the people around you. And when you do that, when you allow your people to grow, as you just said, and I will repeat it again because it, it is worth repeating, you will become the best boss a person ever had. And that is worth being and doing and working toward. Well, Whitney, I appreciate you. You know, long ago, many years, I reached out blindly and said, hey, you don't know me. I don't know you. Would you spend 15 minutes with me on the phone? I have some questions for you. And you kindly said yes. 
So, you know, you have been absolutely such an amazing contributor to my S-curve. So I appreciate Aww. you. I thank you so much for joining us today on the What's Next Live podcast. Thank you, everybody, for joining. We'll see you again next time.